You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? Yeah. If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Oh, yeah. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Just go to their website. Do it. TheTicketKing.com. Again, that's TheTicketKing.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth, thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, Gil Martin. My co-host is my good friend, Sean Keehan. In addition to this show, I host Locked On NHL. Sean was a TV sportscaster in Minnesota. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Sean, last Monday, not good. Not good. Not good at all. But what is good, Gil, before we get into Monday's game, is that we have a special offer for our listeners. 25% off the new Jerry Kramer biography, Run to Win. Just go to triumphbooks.com slash run to win and use the offer code Packers Talk. Once again, triumphbooks.com slash run to win. Use the offer code Packers Talk. 25% off the new Jerry Kramer biography, Run to Win. But yeah, Gil, you talked about it on Monday. Oofta. Uh, oofta. That is... That's all I got to say about that, where I was in Vegas, I was on site, I had a great time. Vegas is a wonderful, wonderful place to go see a football game. Uh, you know, the Packer win would have been a little sweeter, but overall, besides the Packer, away from that Packer loss, I had a very good time in Vegas. It's going to be a very good Super Bowl host site for this year and many years to come. It, they just have everything you'd want in that area, but the Packers in general, I, I was so... I was so curious where seeing the odds coming in, being in the middle of Vegas, where the Raiders were minus two point favorites going into that game. I was like, and I'm just thinking, this, this doesn't seem right. This seems like an easy bet to bet on the Packers. And then three interceptions later by Jordan Love, and it results in a Raiders win and a dramatic win as well. Uh, the, the defense outside of two touchdown drives for the Raiders, the defense for the Packers came to play. Uh, they really did, and the offense just struggled mightily. And I don't know, Gil, if it's more encouraging that the Packers had so many turnovers and still had a chance to win at the end, or if it's discouraging because they couldn't put up points against a future defense on paper in the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's good that the defense kept them in the game and, and that they, the game was still in reach in the final minute, but the offense was just so inconsistent and unable to really get out of its own way. Uh, I mean, they had no answer for Max Crosby, which was very discouraging. I mean, Look, I, I know that your your rookie tight ends are not going to be known for their blocking ability, but that looked like a matador and a bull on a couple of those plays when they tried to block Max Crosby. And I just wanted to see a little more from Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff as far as even during the game. Okay, we know Max Crosby is in our backfield a lot. So what do we do? We should do some rollouts to the opposite side. We can, 
throw some quicker release passes. We can, you know, mix it up a little bit to try to, you know, neutralize him even to a what, – what do you have, four tackles for loss and a sack in that he had a game. game. He had a how game. many pressures he had. I mean, it just wasn't what you want to see uh, from your, your offense. And, you know, Jordan Love made mistakes. The young receivers made mistakes. Uh, you could have one or the other and maybe get away with it, but when when both your receivers and your quarterback are making mistakes, often on the same play, that's not a recipe for success. And we talked about it last week, literally on this podcast, Gil, where all two helmets on Max Crosby at all time. I know it's easier said than done, but that was the one guy on that defense for the Vegas Raiders that could have disrupted everything for the Packers offense and he did and you saw where you saw some rollouts more in the second half it spurred a huge play by Christian Watson a huge passing play down the field where Christian Watson was wide open uh didn't get to the end zone maybe that hamstring not quite 100 percent yeah because uh, yeah, I thought that was going to be a touchdown as soon as Christian Watson got the ball and there's just so much open field in front of him uh and you can't blame I mean the Raiders they committed a penalty with a horse collar but you can't blame them just do anything you can keep them on the end zone but just there was just it, it seemed like they had a plan that was revolved around Aaron Jones and Aaron Jones being the center of attention on that offense. That Aaron Jones though can't play. Uh, there was an injury that came up on Saturday, according to Coach Matt Lafleur, and Aaron Jones essentially is out, he was out for Monday, and it's just very discouraging that he hasn't really been able to come back from that hamstring uh, quite yet. Hopefully, with the bye week coming up, that he can get back to full strength and full health. But Hammy's that soft tissue stuff, it's not anyone's fault. It's just, this is hard. It's just, it's very hard. And, but Matt LaFleur, there's no excuses for that where, yeah, your number one, your number one offensive weapon was out, but you still should have been able to put up 20 points on that Raiders defense. I'm sorry. That's, that is just inexcusable. Yeah. And, and look, if I would have told you before this game started, that, you know, Jacobs would average less than four yards a carry and have less than 75 yards rushing, and Devontae Adams would have four catches for, what was it, 45 yards? Yep. What odds would you have given me that the Packers win that game? I would have given you significant odds, and I was just going to talk about that, where Josh Jacobs, he got loose for one big run, he did have a touchdown at the goal line, but he didn't do much. They knew, nope. He was neutralized. Devontae Adams... The Packers' game plan was fantastic against Devontae Adams, yes. minus, minus the one play where it was good scheming by the Raiders getting uh, Devontae Adams lined up against Preston Smith on a critical third down. That was my only bugaboo with the defense. The two touchdown drives by the Raiders' offense in that game, I felt like there were personnel issues again. That's my biggest gripe with Joe Barry is that he's not getting the right substitution packages in. Guess what? When an offense substitutes, the defense is allowed to substitute as well. Why there aren't better matchups, I don't understand that. I'm so sick of seeing a Preston Smith in coverage or a Lucas Van Ness drop in coverage. Those guys should be going after the quarterback. They should not be dropping into his own coverage on third down and in a critical part of the game. B.J. Raji 2.0 in the NFC Championship game in 2011 ain't going to happen. It's not. It's not. It's just. It's not because we're not going to get to play the Chicago Bears every week. It's just not going to happen that way. Darn. But but besides besides those two drives by the Raiders. The defensive game plan was awesome, and I remember watching, and I was there with my brother, a couple buddies of ours, too, and 
it was just kind of bothering me where why is Jair Alexander now following Devontae Adams? But it didn't burn them in the end. Rasul Douglas held his end. Jair Alexander, his first game back from a back injury, he held his end of the field. And it, it was just a matter the offense just didn't didn't do their job. They didn't do their job well enough. And and that was just it was just a lot of a lot of frustration. But you know what? Hey, when you're the youngest team in the NFL, games like this are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, you just don't want to lose a game that was so winnable, both on the schedule and during the game itself. That game was there for the taking and they just couldn't quite pull it off. And look, it, it is one of those situations where there, we knew there were going to be growing pains for this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but it bothered me a lot. You know, it, it, it just, I, I did an article on this uh, on the Packers Post and, and a related article on Cheesehead. This offense right now does not have an identity. Nope. There, there is no, they are not a good running team. They cannot throw deep. They do not have a go-to receiver. I mean, maybe Romeo Dobbs is the closest to that. But, you know, when it was third and four, you always knew Aaron Rodgers could get a five-yard pass to Devontae Adams if they put four guys around him, that back mm-hmm. shoulder fade, they were going to get that every time or 95% of the time. You, you knew what the bread and butter of the offense was. Right now, there is no bread and butter. They don't run particularly well. They don't have a high completion percentage. They don't pass the ball particularly well. There is no go-to receiver who is you know, when you really need that key first down on third and seven, you know they're going to get you the eight. No, they're, they're really, right now, this team, the only identity they have is young and inexperienced. And, look, we knew that the growing pains were coming this year. We knew there would be days like Monday night. Uh, but you have your bye week now. It's time to start figuring out who you are or at least who you want to be, and then start trying to make that happen. Mama said there'd be days like this. There'd be that's days right. like this, Mama said. I mean, that's that's the best way to put it. And you got to look at the upside, though, where if there's a positive to take away from this. Yeah, it, it stinks they don't have an offensive identity, but they're five games into this season with a receiving group that doesn't have more than two years of NFL experience and Correct. a quarterback who's, who's a starter for the – first time as a, the full-time guy his first year. And there is time for them to grow and develop and find that identity. There is. Yeah. And the Packers are the Packers are a patient organization. And as fans, we want instant gratification. We, we've we seen the Packers be a consistent winner for so long. I mean, my entire life, Gil, they've been a consistent winner. And we want to see that, but we got to have patience as a fan base. And, and we've been saying this since training camp where a young team, they're going to grow. They're, there's going to be a lot of growing pains and we just got to, we just got to enjoy the ride. We just got to, we just got to ride the ride, not enjoy the ride. We got to ride the ride and we got to survive the ride. But I, I want to break down a little bit with Jordan Love where his first five starts as the full-time starter, he's coming off again, his worst game as the full-time starter, throwing three interceptions in that loss on Monday night. Uh, the Packers, they're two and three. Love has 1,083 passing yards, eight touchdown passes, two rushing touchdowns, six interceptions, and he's averaging 6.7 yards per temp. Now, we're going to compare against 
Aaron Rodgers, the guy who he took over for. In 2008, Rodgers' first year as the starter. The Packers were also 2-3. and three. Rodgers had some more passing yards, 1,274, had nine touchdowns, four interceptions, 7.8 yards per attempt. Also, he had two rushing touchdowns like Jordan Love did. And on September 28th of 2008 in Tampa, and I was trying to remember, and I remembered this, Gil, when I was watching this game where I remember Rodgers having a game like this when he was in his first year. In Tampa, nearly 15 years prior to Monday's loss in Vegas, Rodgers also threw three interceptions in that game, and they lost at Tampa at Raymond James Stadium. The the similarities, I'm not saying Jordan Love is Aaron Rodgers, but it takes time, and people were ready to write Rodgers. I was ready to write Rodgers off as a fan after he threw three interceptions against Tampa. I was like, this guy this guy ain't it. He ain't right. it. And, and Aaron Rodgers proved us all wrong where – he didn't have many multi-interception games after that. No, he did not. And look, you know, my article on Wednesday for Cheesehead, uh, excuse me, on Thursday for Cheesehead TV, I actually went back and compared uh, Jordan Love's statistics as part of the article to Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and... Uh, and who was the the fifth uh, the fourth one? I'm trying to remember who the, the uh, oh, and John Elway and John, John Elway. Elway. Okay. So you know, four Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Breeze isn't in yet, but he will be. We 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 know that. So you know, four Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Their first five starts. His numbers are not that far off. I mean, they're better than Elway's. Elway's numbers were atrocious. Now it's a different era. You could you know lots of differences, but. The point is, and the point I was trying to make, is not to say that Jordan Love is going to be as good as any of those guys. It's just that five starts, you don't know what you got yet. Mm-hmm. And the key is, 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 does he mature? Does he learn? Does he grow into, you know, uh, the guy who reaches his potential? And, you know, look, the Packers finished 6-10 and 10 in Aaron Rodgers' first season as the starter in 2008 and I believe their record in one score games was like one in seven mm-hmm. that year that's learning how to win mm-hmm. and look as the year went on we saw better performances from Aaron Rodgers we we saw you know flashes that told us this guy can be the guy but he wasn't the guy that year and you know I think a lot of People are so quick to make a snap judgment on him. But, you know, if you would have judged John Elway after his first five starts or, you know, Aaron Rodgers after his first five starts, a lot of people wouldn't have let them have a sixth start. And, boy, would that have been a mistake. So uh, it's not Sean Clifford time, okay? It's, no, it's, no. It's, it's not even close to that because – you know, you got to let the guy have his take his lumps and make his mistakes and gr- hopefully grow into the job. And, you know, I said before the season, and I still think it's very, very true, this is a whole different level of challenge for Matt LaFleur. Mm-hmm. It, it is not an easy thing to, to take over a team where you already have an established Hall of Fame quarterback and you've got to earn his respect and figure out how to make it work with him. It's a completely different kind of a challenge to take over a first-year starter and and redesign the offense for his strengths and deal with his growing pains. So, 
you know, I want to see more from Matt LaFleur, first of all. Uh, just figuring out this, this offense and how to maximize the situation. And no, injuries have definitely not helped. I mean, if you went to a list of who you could least afford to lose to injury before the season started, it would be Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Jones, and Watson. You know, other than losing your quarterback, that's about as bad as it gets. Those are your best offensive weapons and players. But, you know, next man up, right? You got to figure it out. And I'm hoping we see a little bit more from Jordan Love and a little bit better work and strategy and game planning from Matt LaFleur. And like you said, not having your all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari, and only having him for one game is so significant. Aaron Jones, you're, you only had him for one full game. That's significant. Uh, also, Aaron Rodgers, too, had Donald Driver and Greg Jennings in you know in their primes in yeah. his first year. The, Jordan Love doesn't have that. He has a group that's still growing together, but – it's just fascinating to me where far of his first five starts as a Packer, the Packers were two and three in those first five starts when he took over, and he also averaged six point seven yards per attempt, identical to Jordan Love. So yep. it's just the, the the similarities are just so eerie and creepy, and and who knows, Gil? Maybe fifteen years from now, we're gonna. Anyways, I want to get to some bye week awards though, so. Uh, Packers don't play this weekend. We get a little bit of time to cool off, relax a little bit, regroup, refocus. Uh, our bye week rewards, uh, awards, I have top surprise, top disappointment, and the team MVP. Let's start with the top surprise. Gil, who was your top surprise so far five games in, heading into the bye week for the Green Bay Packers? Anders Carlson. Hey, oh, all right. I like that. I mean, if you watched him in preseason or in training camp, you could have gotten some really good odds that he would make his first 10 extra points in his first, what, seven or eight field goals that he's attempted. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you would have said he would be perfect through five games in both of those categories, kick a 52-yarder and the game-winning extra point in week two, uh, week three, rather, in the comeback win over the Saints, you could have gotten some pretty long odds on that. I, you know, you were in Vegas. You know what I'm talking about. So. <laughs> I know exactly. But I, I know a little more than I used to, Gil, at, at this time last week. But you're right. I mean, Anders Carlson has been awesome. He he had his struggles a little bit in the preseason. But, you know, this is where the patience pays off. And there was no pressure on Anders Carlson. They were very adamant. Anders Carlson is our kicker. And you could see why the Packers really liked him and why Rich Passaccia, the special teams coordinator, really likes him, where – they got their kicker for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, he's, he's good. If he's, if he's half as good as his brother, he's going to be, a, he's going to be around for a very long time. But for me, my top surprise, it's actually the Packers safety play and it's Rudy Ford. I think Rudy Ford has had a really tremendous season. I think Darnell Savage has been serviceable and, and on paper, we talked about it before the season as well, where the defense, we really liked the linebacker group, the edge group, the D line depth, the cornerback depth. We weren't sure about safety, and safety was the biggest wild card. And the safety play has actually been pretty darn gil- good, Gil. And I think Rudy Ford's been outstanding. He's at, he has a couple interceptions. He's making good tackles. He's helping out a lot of the run game. And the, these guys aren't getting beat deep. And it's it's really a credit to them. They're not letting stuff get deep 
by them. They're not getting, letting good stuff get by them in general. Uh, overall, I think the safety play has been really outstanding so far for the Packers defense. I think Rudy Ford has been a really nice surprise, a guy they brought in uh, in a trade last year just for to be a gunner on special teams. He, he was supposed to be a special teams ace. Yep. And now he's starting at safety. He's probably been their best safety on this group. He, he's been pretty consistent. He's got interceptions in back-to-back games. And look, part of it is scheme, the way they play. It, the defense is designed to not let people get behind you, but you still have to execute. Yep. And like you said, you know, coming into the season, this was expected to be the biggest weakness on the defense, what they would be hiding and covering up and trying not to let other teams exploit. Unfortunately, there have been other problems, but, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, the overall, these, the, the safety duo of Ford and Savage has, been more than acceptable, so gotta gotta be happy about that. Who's your top disappointment so far, or what is your top disappointment so far for the Packers? You know what? To me, the top disappointment has got to be the run defense. Uh, we were told this year was going to be different. Joe Barry said that. Kenny Clark said that. Uh, so many people were were saying, "Yeah, this year we've got a different way of attacking the front, and we're gonna, you know." With Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell in the middle, we're going to be a lot better at stopping the run. And unfortunately, it's the same stuff, different day. So, uh, you know, to, to see other teams, with the exception of the Raiders, uh, beating the Packers at the line of scrimmage and dominating that line of scrimmage and the failure to hold the edge by the, by the edge rushers on running plays, it, it's like deja vu all over again, and, you know, the defense, it, it, it's good, but, you know, it, 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 like you said when you were talking about the Raiders game, they were really good, but there were those two drives. You know, there's always mm-hmm. plays that you just like, what were they thinking, and, and why mm-hmm. would they be in, you know, on third and five, why are they playing eight yards off the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and not playing a little bump and run in, in that set of circumstances? But to me, the run defense being more or less the same problem that it was recent years, that's a big disappointment. How about you? And the Packers rush, and I'm going to get to that, and I'm going to add on to that in a bit. The Packers rushing defense, 27th in the league right now, entering week six. There's so much money, draft capital invested in that defensive front, that linebacker group. It should be better than 27th in the league. I agree with you, Gail, where, and they're allowing opposing runners to run for 4.3 yards per carry as well. That's just, that's just too many damn yards. I mean, it really is. But for me, I, you know, I was going to say the running game on defense, but also in addition to that, I was going to say the rushing game on offense. Yeah. Sure. Aaron Jones has been missing time. It's a big reason for the lack of any, anything getting going in the rushing offense. But even with Jones, no Packer running back has rushed for more than 14 yards on a carry this season. They're averaging three and a half yards per carry. The, the running backs are tied for 25th in the league. It's just, and, and that's also that rushing offense, those numbers that three and a half yards per carry. That's taken into effect the big sneaks that Jordan, the big carries that Jordan Love has had in a few games this year. That is disappointing. And that is just something where Matt LaFleur came in. He's the, he's a Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay guy. He, he's supposed, the Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan offensive schemes are built around a strong ground game. And they do not have that in Green Bay right now. A strong ground game was supposed to help your first year starting quarterback, your first and second year wide receivers 
your first year tight ends and it's just not going. That's a big reason why the offense can't seem to find any kind of rhythm after since week one, since heck fourth quarter of week two in Atlanta. They can't find anything because they can't get anything going on the ground. Teams are just dropping back in coverage. They're not bringing a lot of helmets to the ball. Or they're not bringing a lot of helmets downfield because they don't have to. Right. They don't have to. And it's just, and that, that is by far the most disappointing thing for me so far. And I hope that's, you know, this during the bye week, I hope they figure out how to get the ground game going a little better. You saw it kind of get going with AJ Dillon in Vegas, but still it, it just wasn't what you want it to be. But getting away from the negative talk, your MVP through for the first five games going into the bye week, who's your MVP so far? All right, I, I could keep it negative and say Aaron Jones because they miss him so darn much that uh, it's clear how important he is to the team. But as far as guys who have been in the lineup, I have to say Rashawn Gary. I mean, I, I it is hard for me. You know, here's a guy who in five games has four and a half sacks, and he's played, what, 20 snaps a game yeah. uh, for at least four of those games. I think he played more snaps against the Raiders finally, but – He's been on a play count, and yet he's still not just getting the sacks, but the pressures, uh, the the pass rush win rate that he has is second best in the entire league. Imagine if he was 100% healthy and playing, you know, 65, 70% of the snaps, like hopefully he will be as he gets, you know, back into the groove and, and, and fully healthy after the surgery. So I, I got to go Rashawn Gary. How about you? If this was the award for the most missed player, Aaron Jones is number one runaway yes. winner. And Dave Bakhtiari is number two on that list, too. Yes. But it's the most valuable player, and I totally agree with you. It's Rashawn Gary. He, he's he got the four and a half sacks in five games, like you mentioned, that's tied for 10th in the league. And like you said, too, he's on a pitch count. He's not even playing full time. He He's starting to play a little more as each week goes on. But the, the comeback that this guy made coming off of an ACL tear they suffered last November – uh, of last season, he was the biggest reason why the Packers stole a win in week three in that home opener against the New Orleans Saints. He had three sacks all in that second half against the Saints, uh, and he's up for a new contract. The price tag is only going up. He's a special player. He's not Nick Bosa. He's not Micah Parsons, but, man, he's he's right he's right below that tier. I mean, he, he's not T.J. Watt either, but he is, he is the very high end of the second tier of edge rushers. And whatever contract, I hope the Packers extend him sooner rather than later. I don't want he, him to even think about hitting the open market come this offseason. But Rashawn Gary's the MVP, and the guy cares a lot. I think what was really heartwarming, too, as a, as a Packer fan, was after that three-sack performance against New Orleans, and he's tearing up and just, you could tell he just loves football. And he just said he's working so hard just for a moment like that, and all he wanted to do was play, going through the rehab, going through a rigorous rehabilitation process for his knee and all he wanted to do was play and he had such a massive game in that week three win and he's really just such a disruptive force he's he's just constantly in the backfield and when when opposing quarterbacks got to throw the football Rashawn Gary's always back there he always is as long as he's on the field he's easily my MVP Gil easily yeah no I I think so too and you know the thing I love about Rashawn Gary and I've been following him since his days at the University of Michigan but he his work ethic is just so I mean you you see the videos he posts on social media throughout the off season of him working out and when he was hurt rehabbing the injury 
wow. I mean, this guy really is an impressive athlete, but his work ethic is equally as impressive as his athletic ability. And I give him a lot of credit for his determination, his persistence, and his desire to be the best. So to me, uh, I'm a big Rashawn Gary fan. And Gil, grading the season so far, if you want to go by unit by unit, offense, defense, special teams, and a cumulative score, what are your grades for the offense? What are your grades for the defense? What's your grade for special teams? And what's your overall score? Uh, offense, I'd give them a C plus. Defense, I'd probably go with a B minus. Special teams, maybe a B. And overall, it'd be, uh, boy, overall, I would say it's a, it's a C plus because just, the, it's not just the two and three record. That's not that far off from where we sort of figured this team would be. It's just two things, the way they've lost games and the fact that they looked better in the first three weeks of the season than they did in the last two. I would much prefer that the arrow be pointing up then be concerned because the arrow is pointing down. So instead of rounding up to a, a, a B minus based on those three grades, I round down just because the arrow is pointing in that direction. Offensively, I'm kind of there with you, but I'm, a, I'm actually a little more harsh on this, but I, I would give them a C minus on offense. I would. Uh, their best game was week one against a really bad Chicago Bears defense, which is, yep. they're still an NFL defense, but they did a lot of damage. And then three quarters against Atlanta in week two was awesome. But ever since that fourth quarter Atlanta, the offense has been trending downward. And that's kind of, that's, it's kind of a good time for a bye week just to kind of regroup and reconfigure and everything because I don't like the trend that, that the offense is going towards. Defense, I would give a B. Overall, it's been really good minus that fourth quarter in Atlanta where the offense didn't really help them out. I don't think that was really necessarily on the defense. That was more so. The offense couldn't register a first down in that fourth quarter. And that Lions game was just overall bad. It was just a really, yes. really bad game. I would give the defense a B. I think overall they've been pretty good. The running game on defense obviously has to – the rushing defense has to be a lot better going forward the rest of the season if they want to be a playoff team, get some more wins, get off this losing skid that they're on. And then special teams, I would give a B. You mentioned Anders Carlson. He's perfect on field goals. He's perfect on extra points. He's been awesome. Daniel Whelan, the new punter, he's been overall really good. No fumbles by the return units or no major errors. I mean, the only issue so far throughout this season was the punt return that was allowed for a touchdown against the Saints. Yep. And then critical penalties where uh, that delayed game on the opening drive in Atlanta, which resulted in a field goal attempt turning into a punt, and the Packers lost that game by one. That's a young team learning, hey, we can't have these mistakes. That's literally the difference of points between a win and a loss. And then Quay Walker trying to clear the long snapper against Detroit yeah. in week four, which led to a first down, game ceiling touchdown for the Lions, it led to a two-possession game becoming a three-possession game. I don't know if the Packers would have, if anything would have been different if there was still a two-possession game, if that penalty doesn't occur, but a boneheaded mistake can't happen like that. So all that being said, my long-winded answer, Gil, they're two and three. That's an average record. I'm going to give them an average score. They're, it's a C for me. It's a C. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you talk about special teams, I got to add one more thing that I think has been problematic, and that is Keyshawn Nixon's got to be smarter about when he returns a punt out of the back of the end zone. It, it, I know what he's trying to do, yeah. But you know, if you're nine yards deep in the end zone and you don't see a path, you can't 
unless you're going to get to the 25, you've got to just take that touchback. And when you add the fact that there are a lot of penalties on kick returns and punt returns, you know, you could take the ball at the 25 or, you know, you got to make a 34-yard return just to break even. Sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. So I'm going to disagree with you on the Keyshawn Nixon thing because you're talking about a, if it was Amari Rogers or David or uh, David Ty Montgomery, I'd be like, no, taking the every time. <laughs> but Keyshawn Nixon was a first team All Pro returner last year, and it's like what Aaron Rodgers said last year, where every time he touches that ball, it feels like he's going to house it. And if he feels like if he feels good about bringing it out of the end zone, if he feels, I I put my trust in Keyshawn Nixon. He's too good of a return man. He showed last year. I trust the guy where, hey, if he feels good about returning it, let him have at it. And that and that's okay to me. Uh, obviously, though, that may change, though. Going going into the bye week, the Packers coaches may be like, hey, we need to give the offense as many years as, po- as many yards as possible. We can't we, we can't do this. We can't go to the twenty and then get a holding penalty and be backed up to the ten. So you may be onto something, Gil, where that may change where Keyshawn Nixon may be told you know, let the ball go out out of the end zone, let it hit the end zone, you know, take a knee. But Keyshawn Nixon could probably reply, hey, you don't put a Ferrari in the garage. You know, let the Ferrari run. And and I, so I kind of get it on both ways. But to help this offense, yeah, maybe more touchbacks are needed. Uh, but, Gil, what, what needs to happen during the bye week? We've touched on a lot of stuff, but what needs to happen during the bye week uh, for the Packers to just get back to their winning ways and get back on track? I I think a couple of things. Number one, there's got to be some serious self-scouting. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, when I say self-scouting, I want to see Matt LaFleur design an offense that is more tailored to Jordan Love's strengths, covers up some of his weaknesses. And I think, you know, part of the problem has also been the poor blocking by the offensive line, especially run blocking. I mean, look, mm-hmm. we've talked – on this podcast before about A.J. Dillon being disappointing. And uh, he looked better, certainly, mm-hmm. against the Raiders, but he still didn't look great. I mean, he looked mm-hmm. pretty good. Uh, at least he was running with authority, and he wasn't going down on the first hit. But there still weren't a lot of holes there. And mm-hmm. the the offensive line's run blocking has got to be a little bit better than it was uh, the first five games and then defensively just eliminate those brain farts where you, you, you look at the, the, the way the team lines up based on down and distance and you're just like, what were they thinking coming out in that formation or with that game plan on that play? So, you know, I, I think a lot of it is that. And then I think the other thing to me that, and this is a byproduct of what I already said, but get the young players' confidence back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you do that by emphasizing the strengths of, of the players and, and just sort of getting the message across that we believe in you and this is what you need to do. And if you do this, things will improve. So I I think a combination of, of better game plans, better execution, and just getting the confidence of these players back. How about you? I think self-scouting is such a good way to put it for the coaching staff, just knowing what their weaknesses are, knowing what their strengths are, and just going forward with really hammering on the strengths and really trying to fix the weaknesses. And yep. 
just going from there and may, maybe make things a little simpler for the young offense. I, I, you don't want to make everything super vanilla. An NFL defense is just going to read into everything, but they have a lot of athletic physical specimens on that offense. They really do. They're young. They're young and green, but man, they're athletic and they, they're fast. It's a really, really dynamic, uh, group of athletes they have on the offensive side of the ball in, you know, among the position groups, among the skill positions. And they got to be able to just get the ball in their hands and let them go and, and just let them, let them run, let, let them get, you know, tell them, Hey, find an open zone and just sit there. Uh, yeah. you know, beat your man one on one and get that, get that man coverage. But it's, it's so, there's probably so many different answers to this question, but that's, that's the way I want to see it. I want to see things get a little simpler. But the biggest thing for me, too, Gil, is we got to get healthy. Just, yes. just get healthy. We're, we're not the most beat-up team in the NFL, but we're pretty beat-up. Get Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, get those hammies back to full strength. Jerry Alexander, hopefully that back injury doesn't flare up again. Hopefully Devondre Campbell can return from his high ankle sprain. Quay Walker, he left Monday's game. Hopefully that knee injury isn't too serious. Darnell Savage, hopefully his calf injury isn't too serious. Eric Stokes, he's... Uh, he could be coming off the pup list pretty soon. Add some more depth to that secondary. Get those guys healthy. Get get your guys on the field. Get your big horses back on the field. And I think a lot could change. And you're going to be playing in Denver out of the bye week. The Packers under Lafleur have not been very good coming out of bye weeks. But Denver's a pretty good team to you know work out some kinks and get back on track against coming up. But we'll talk about Denver more next week. That's that's a week from now. We're we're on bye week time. We're on island time essentially right now. Uh, but Gil, but what articles uh, before we wrap up? What articles do you have coming up online for the Packers Post, Cheese on TV? You've already alluded to some stuff earlier in this episode, but what else you got cooking? Uh, well, you know the Cheesehead article. I think you know I, I'm very pleased with as far as the, comp- the 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 title was just basically it's too soon to dismiss. You know, Jordan Love after five starts. Uh, that, that's basically the premise of the article. Uh, gonna do a little, little piece on, uh, Anders Carlson as well and, uh, as the pleasant surprise of this team. And, you know, th- those are the things I'm looking at. Just how this team can get better and, and trying to break down the reasons behind some of the mistakes that this team has made. So that's where I'm pointing in this direction. And Gil, are you ready for some trivia? I am always ready for some trivia. Okay, sounds good. Here we go. The Packers' defensive front, it's been pretty solid getting after opposing quarterbacks this season. Their defensive line, their edge rushers, they have 15 sacks this year. That's tied for eighth in the league through the first five weeks of the season. Now, he didn't have a sack in Vegas on Monday night, but rookie defensive tackle Carl Brooks had registered two sacks in the first four games of the season for Green Bay. Who was the last Packers defensive rookie to register two sacks in their first four games of their NFL career? And I'll give you four multiple-choice possibilities. Okay. Okay. A, linebacker Brad Jones. B, defensive tackle Johnny Jolly. C, safety Josh Jones. Or D, cornerback Davon House. Wow. These are... Obscure names, right? Well, no, no. I know all the names, but these are not the typical guys you would expect mm-hmm. to have, to be collecting a lot of sacks. Yep. Uh, Just throw a dart at the board. House. It is not Devon House, but it was a guy in the secondary. It was safety Josh Jones. Wow. 
He had two sacks in the Packers' Week 3 win at Lambeau Field over the Cincinnati Bengals in 2017. That was two of his only three career sacks for (laughs) Jones. Now, Jones, he was drafted in the second round by the Packers, only played his first two NFL seasons in Green Bay. After that Cincinnati game, he kind of went downhill from there as a Packers. He was released prior to his third season. He was the 61st overall pick in the Packers by the Packers in the 2017 draft. Within 10 picks after that selection, notable players picked were Patriots wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, Buffalo left tackle Deion Dawkins, New Orleans running back Alvin Kamara, and Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup. So every team misses, but the Packers really had an opportunity to get a franchise-altering player right there. Uh, Jones, he last appeared in 12 games for the Seattle Seahawks last season. Currently, he is out of the league. So, yeah, Josh Jones, not the answer you're probably uh, thinking about, right? Yeah, wasn't uh, first on my list if you didn't give me multiple choice. Yeah, Clay Matthews, I remember, had 10 sacks his rookie year, but those sacks didn't come till later in that season. So that's when he really started to pile up, and then he carried it over to the Super Bowl year the next year. But no football this week for the Packers. They'll return a couple Sundays on October 22nd. We'll be back next week to preview their matchup out of the bye in the Mile High City. Yeah, looking forward to that. You know, it's very strange to have this many non-Packers Sundays back-to-back. It's not, you know, it, it sort of screws up your Sunday. <laughs> I, I, I'm thrown off my rhythm, Gil. It's just, I'm not used to this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you were at least at the game Monday night. That that at least yeah. You know, that's a memorable experience, at least. But, yeah. I slept, 12, uh, I, I slept 12 hours each of the last next nights after I got back from yeah, Vegas. Yeah, that, so uh, that, 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 place, that place never sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you do a little, but, uh, you know. Yep, I'll look, try. Look forward to just getting back into the swing of things. And, and let's face it, uh, if the Packers are going to uh, have a chance to at least be in the conversation for a wild card spot this year, they've got to beat Denver. Yes, they do. But we'll uh, talk about that next week. We will. We definitely will. Well, that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at GB Packer Sean to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Or you can email us at GBPackerSean at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And a big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And, of course, thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!